0: Can't tell you how thankful I am to see so many seats filled. Uh, it just keeps getting better. So I think we're, I think we're turning the corner. It's just yeah. In the uh, in the 1930s, as uh, World War II was approaching, there was a group of artists who they met every week. As as the shadow of the war spread, as Nazi Germany was going from one country to the next, invading, and in a dark time like this. These artists asked the question, how can one think about planting roses when the world is burning? How can one think about planting roses when the world is burning? I think that's a good question. I mean, they were asking, in, in all the ugliness, in, in all the, the bad, the evil that's going on right now, how can we spend time creating beauty or goodness? Would you be able to consider that question? I don't, I don't know if I could uh, in, in a time that it was even, even, I mean, even worse than what, lo- you know, you think like there's things going on now, but, man, at that time, like, I would think, okay, how can we make this better? What can I do? Whether it's, whether it's fighting or, or making something for the soldiers, I mean, what can we do practically to make it better? That's, that's what I would do. Um, that's not what they did. See, there are there are different kinds of people. Uh, we say, that, you know, there's the Type A personalities and Type B. And in Type A, they they have lists and, and you know to do list, and you have a schedule and you follow it. And if if someone messes it up, then well, what's wrong with them, you know? And and then you got the, the Type B that are creating things, and and they're they're not going to start at, at you know right at ten o'clock. It's whenever we wake up and we get there, and we're but we're gonna we're gonna enjoy our day. And and I'm I'm not the Type B person. But maybe I need to be a little, a little bit more that way. Maybe we all do. I think that there's not type A and type B people. I think there may be, maybe, maybe uh, to start. But who do we become? Uh, we 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 develop that. You know, we get more focused. And and there's uh, there's some danger in it. And we're gonna look at this a story today in, in Mark 14. We're gonna look at two different people. We're gonna look at a at a person who I think has to be type A and a person who has to be type B. And and we're gonna look at at where their stories went, where their lives went. And so if you would join me in Mark chapter 14, beginning at verse 1. Now the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread were only two days away, and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the festival, they said, or the, the people may riot. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head on Jesus' head. Now, uh, just a little before I keep going in the text um, this this at this time, this festival the the two different festivals, Passover and festival of unleavened bread, probably they're probably six times the normal population in the town. So if there was a riot, they wouldn't be able to control it. There's a lot of reasons why, there, why they thought there may have been a riot. We're not going to get into all that. But the idea is that there was, uh, there was something going on that definitely could have been very bad. Uh, these people were trying to find a way to kill Jesus, so definitely there's some bad there. Um, but there's a lot going on. But there's actually another account of this same story in John chapter 12 that gives a little more detail. We're going to stay in Mark but I'm going to give a little bit of information from John's account because it's the same story, just a different person sharing his perspective, and he included more details. And so this woman in this story, uh, we believe, is, is Mary. There's Mary and Martha, uh, the sisters of Lazarus. Jesus brought Lazarus back from the dead. He spent time with, with Mary and Martha. Martha wanted to serve and do all her stuff, and Mary just wanted to sit at Jesus' feet and, and enjoy his presence. All right. So that this is, a, we believe, this is the same Mary. So verse four: Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, "Why waste this perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages, and the money given to the poor." And they rebuked her harshly. So first, we're going to look at Mary. That's, if you haven't probably caught on, that's the Type B personality. Now, this was a, a dinner uh, in Jesus' honor. Lazarus was back from the dead. Martha was. Probably, she was probably the one that was preparing everything, because that's Martha. But Mary, she dumped uh, perfume that cost a year's worth of, of uh, wages, a year's salary, on Jesus' feet. Perfume, perfume was used for hair, not feet, so there's something that, okay, why? Um, and you, you, uh, you wiped it with a towel, But Mary, from John's account we see, she let her hair down. You don't do that either. You don't let your hair down out in public. A woman let her hair down only in her home, maybe with her husband. That's it. You just didn't do it. Mary let her hair down and wiped Jesus' feet with her hair. That's, what is going on? I mean, I I think if that were to happen today, I mean, one, if Jesus were physically sitting here, and someone did that, and we would, we would tell them, you, you need to get off the stage, you need to get out of here, you know, go home. Mary was showing Jesus and everyone else, regardless of the surroundings, regardless of the culture, the customs, the circumstances, the way that we worship, the way that we do things here, that she was devoted to Jesus, and she was going to show her love to, to him in a creative and beautiful way. I mean, think about it. that's not how you worshipped back then. She was using her creativity, uh, her love, the expression she had in her heart. She just found a way to show it. I see humility and and service and sacrifice. I mean, this was expensive stuff. But Jesus' disciples didn't see it that way. No, they they were thinking practically uh, a year's wages. But what did Jesus think? Verse 6. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them any time you want. But you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her and her story is being told 2,000 years later. Jesus did not see waste. He did not view this through the lens of practicality. He saw it through the lens of devotion. He saw the beauty in it. Now, I'm I'm a very practical person. I, I think if you go into my office, you'll say, like most people, um, "Are you going to decorate sometime?" I don't I don't see a mess all over the place. I don't wa- I don't want to decorate. If if I put stuff up, and it'll just distract me. There's things on the wall. And I'll start to think about other stuff. And, and, uh, and then you'll look at my, my truck and, and you'll think, like, is there any, you, do you drive this? Is there anything in here? And I don't, I'm not, I'm not a neat freak. I don't always, like, clean, like, deep clean. But there's not going to be clutter in there. My phone, um, you, I think you can have 24 apps on your main page. Well, I don't use 24, so I only have 16, now, I'm not going to have 17 because then there's another line, and or 15 because then there's only three on a line and it's not symmetrical, a uh, little bit of OCD stuff in there too. But I think all the type A people can relate. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. And then if you have kids in the house, especially little kids, uh, makes my heart rate go up a little bit when I get home and my blood pressure, I don't even know, but... It's tough. Like, there's toys on the kitchen table. I don't know why there's toys that we eat at the kitchen table. We don't really, because there's always toys there. But uh, but why? I mean, why are the clothes not hanging up or in the, in the dresser? Do we need another dresser? I don't understand this. It's tough. You know, it's tough being this kind of person. But Mary wasn't that kind of person. <laughs> so we look at, sometimes we look at things for their usefulness, uh, not their their value, uh, intrinsic value, or we just decide, is this helpful? And I say we, I'm preaching to myself more than probably anyone else today. But looking at things only for their usefulness has caused some pretty big problems in the world. I mean, if you really think about, if you start with the question, what does this do for me? Um, Or what value does this add? I think that's where we got slavery, uh, human trafficking, Pornography, things that people only look at, what does this do for me? Now, you might say, well, this story is not about that. This story is only about possessions, about the perfume. No, there's a, there's a line there, and we, we usually cross it, I think. The first question that, uh, that I ask when I meet someone, I actually did it this morning for a service, didn't even think about, I'm going to be preaching on this. When you meet someone, you, you, you get their name, maybe where do you live? And then what do you do for a living? And then when you're retired and and someone gets to know you, you say, oh, I'm retired. Well, what did you do? What value did you add to the world? What did you do that I might think might have been helpful or interesting? It's all about what we do. That's This is a tough line. You'll see in this story, though, that when that gets crossed, it's very dangerous. So Jesus reminds us in this story that but we're not created just to be practical and useful. We actually get to enjoy a little bit. See, all the way back in the creation account, Genesis chapter 2, beginning at verse 8. Now, the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees uh, that grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. I mean, did we really need to know that they were pleasing to the eye? Apparently, we did. Apparently, there's some there's something about finding the beauty around us, finding finding the beauty in creation. Maybe it has something to do with uh, if we see the beauty of what God gave us, then we will appreciate Him more. Early on, God wanted humanity to know it's not all about usefulness. Now we come to church, we want a practical sermon. Uh, I I know I do. We want something useful that we can take with us, that we can make a difference, that we can have results. We want a God not always because of who he is, uh, but we want a God that can do something for me. We believe that our worship and our giving, um, it, it makes God obligated to act on our behalf. Now, we don't always say it like this, but... No one ever says, I'm going to church, I'm going to worship, so that way whenever I need something, then God will do something for me, or I'm going to, to give this much money, and then whenever I get into a hardship, then I know God's going to, he, he owes me. We don't say that up front, but I can't tell you how many times that I've talked with people who are going through hard times, and they say, well... Why didn't God do something about it? Why did God let them go? Why didn't He save them? He saved that person. Why didn't He save this person? I don't understand. It's a transactional approach. That's the danger when we're only about usefulness and practicality. This was on display uh, a few years ago, 2010. A wide receiver for the uh, Buffalo Bills, Stevie Johnson. The team's down 16 to three at halftime. They they force their way back to tie the game 16 to 16 at the end of regulation, and so they go into overtime. And the quarterback threw Johnson a pass wide open in the end zone. Went right through his fingers. Whose fault is that? Maybe. Maybe we'd, most people would probably say it's the receivers. Maybe someone says it was the quarterback or the line didn't do their job and they didn't give them enough. Or why did they call that play? Now, Stevie Johnson told us whose fault it was. He tweeted. He posted on his Twitter account. I praise you 24-7, and this is how you do me? You expect me to learn from this? How? I'll never forget this, ever. Thanks, though. Stevie Johnson didn't catch that pass because God didn't give him magic fingers to hold on to it. At least that's what he said. Maybe we're not so blunt about it, but when we live a life that's always about a transaction of practicality and what you can do for me, and if I do this, then this should happen, then all of a sudden we get a transactional faith and... Well, why isn't God coming through on His part? Jesus celebrates the woman in Mark fourteen, and the disciples rebuke her. She worshiped beautifully; they see waste. The idea of this story is to focus on Jesus, uh, real worship. But I think I think there's a little bit more to, to see beauty in in other things. To not always focus on the value. We don't want to idolize things, but it's okay to enjoy life. It's okay to to enjoy a. A, a car that you just like the way it looks or uh, maybe you like motorcycles or houses or or, or you just like the the views at, at a at the lake I mean, it's okay to enjoy life we're not here just to produce we can enjoy life and I think that's what the idea of the story is Jesus didn't condemn her and say Mary why are you always just sitting there hanging out with me doing nothing why aren't you helping Martha in this story why, why are you wasting this why don't you do something practical with it no, he says, leave her alone. Let her do it. I have no doubt that many people here, probably every, every one of you, cares about the injustices in the world, the, uh, the oppression, the slavery, the orphans, the gospel being shared. And these are real problems, and we should care about them. But part of finding value in these people who are oppressed in this world is simply seeing the beauty outside of usefulness. I mean, think about that. Why are these people oppressed? Most of the people in the world who are, who are suffering from oppression from other people, taking advantage of them and abusing them, because they only see value in terms of usefulness. What are they getting from them? That's where it starts. And so in a sense, these people who during the war, instead of helping fight the war, were creating beauty, they were fighting the war still. They were, they were showing people It's not all about getting what you want. It's not easy uh, enjoying life when we know that other people are not, but as we're about to see in this story, when we don't, uh, this perspective can lead us in a bad way. Verse 10, and then Judas Iscariot, one of the 12, went to the chief priest to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money, so he watched for an opportunity to hand him over hand jesus over now we're going to look at judas judas is the practical i assume type a person now i don't want to read the whole account from john but i want to read just a couple verses about judas because of the specifics so john 12 verse 4 says but one of his disciples judas iscariot who was later to betray him objected why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor it was worth a year's wages He didn't want to say this, or he did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Judas did not like Mary's act, and it maybe was, he said it was a waste. He acknowledged that. Now, even more, he did not care about the poor, but he was all about practicality. Now, in Judas, we see that our expectations of Jesus or of of God what they can do for us can lead us further from him that's what happened here we don't know a lot about judas we know that he betrayed jesus now in in this story i i just i try to see how this relates to us today i mean this this kind of similar amount and a denarii is a silver coin it was um, it was worth a day's wages. So if you worked about 300 days a year, then, then this would be a, um, this perfume would have cost a full year's wages of a day laborer. A day laborer today, I, I googled it a couple days ago, uh, averages just over thirty thousand dollars a year. And so for uh, for our sake, then this perfume that was broken, the jar was broken, and all of it was poured out, cost about thirty thousand dollars. Imagine if someone did that. Would you approve of that offering? Someone coming in and taking thirty thousand dollars and and just pouring it out on Jesus' feet? Maybe maybe we could say it was some kind of burnt offering. And and could you imagine if someone took thirty thousand dollars in cash and came in and threw it in the fire as an offering? I mean, where's the practicality? I don't. I don't. At at, at worst, I think that's a complete waste. At best, I could say, well. It's a little excessive. I mean, why didn't she just pour some of it? You know, now, obviously, I, I, I don't see anything wrong with this offering because Jesus approved it, so there's a bigger picture. But in my mind, in my simple way of thinking, it's kind of tough to accept that. Now, that's the tension that we face, the church. And, and so we're, we think it's always good and bad, and, and, and it's an easy decision to make you know, when that's the case. But that's not the case here. This was a, a decision between God and God's work. And we have that tension. You, you know, you, we might say, well, you know, we need a, we need a new guitar. But if, should we really spend the money on the guitar? Because we have missionaries that need it. Or, or we, we need a new bus. But if we, if we have a bus, if we, if we spend all that money on a new bus, then, well, what about the, the, the food pantry? We should probably give the money to them. I mean, there's this, there's this balance between worshiping and loving God and loving people. And Jesus says, there's always going to be people there, but he didn't stop her. He acknowledged that there was poor people at the time, but he didn't say, hey, hold on. I appreciate what you're about to do. Your heart's in the right place, but don't pour that out. Go sell it, and we'll give it to the poor. No, he didn't do that. He allowed her to love God the way that she wanted to love God. That's our tension. And I think about the way that we could love God, and how we might look at each other differently. Like, there's a, there's a couple of guys in first service that wear, they wear ties every week, uh, tie, a tie and jacket. And, and I, I talked to him about it this morning from this, I, I said, you know, keep doing that. If this is the way that you're going to love God, if this is how you feel that you're showing commitment and devotion to him, do that. If, if you, uh, you raise your hands up whenever you're singing, my deodorant doesn't work that well, I don't. My arms get really tired in about four seconds. I just don't feel right doing that. I don't know why. But if you do, do it. It's okay. If, if, you, if you love God and are, uh, feel like you can worship him through planting the flowers outside, we have some people that do that. Go for it. If it's teaching, if it's, if it's helping with the finances, if, if it's greeting, if you feel like you are showing commitment and serving God and being a part of the body, do that. That's what we're supposed to do. First Corinthians 12, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Don't worry about practicality and doing what you're supposed to do and what other people say would be best. Don't, don't listen to, this is how I think you should serve because this is what I, I really think needs to be taken care of. No, what do you think needs to be t- taken care of? Now we have guidance, we have scripture, we saw what Jesus did, we saw who he loved and how he did that, but what brings you alive? What what is the thing that you can do where you feel a passion and a love and a devotion to God more than anything else? Do that. That's that's what God wants us to do. That's what Jesus was saying here. How can you be creative in worshiping? Maybe it's not um, filling out a spiritual gifts assessment and joining a team that's already created. Maybe it's just thinking, God, I think you want this to happen. I'm going to go do it. That's what Mary did in this story. I want to anoint Jesus with this perfume, so I'm going to do it. See, It's creativity. Judas was consumed by small things, things that pulled him from Christ. I can only assume that that you're not like Judas. I don't feel like I'm like Judas, even even though I feel like I, I think practically. But he had some bigger issues going on here. See, Judas had an agenda. He wanted to be on the winning side of the team. He thought that Jesus was going to um, overtake the government, that he was going to overtake uh, the religious leaders, that he was going to establish an earthly kingdom, and, and Judas was going to be on that side. He, he even, I assume he thought that he was going to be controlling the finances because Jesus trusted him now to do it with a small group. Why, why wouldn't he with the, with the whole kingdom? Judas saw Jesus as a means to an end. Mary just saw Jesus. Unless you allow God to work through these false expectations of of a transactional faith, of of doing things so that you can get something from it, I think you're just as easily going to fall, just like Judas. Jesus invited Judas to be a follower. He asked him to to come into his, his 12. He prayed over him. He taught him in secret. He entrusted him with their finances. He even washed his feet. He did everything he could possibly do to say, Judas, come to me. Open your heart to me. And Judas said no. So this morning, for us, as we, as we get ready to leave here, I have a couple uh, practical applications. It almost sounds like I shouldn't say that because uh, it seems too type A. But if you choose... <laughs> to do something, when you leave, if you want to think more about this this scripture and this message, I would ask you to reread Mark 14, verses 3 to 11, and consider Mary and Judas. Read the story for yourself. Or go to John chapter 12 if you want to see more of the details. Who do you relate to more? I mean, like, like me, I think, there's a Judas side. But how can we begin to look a little more like Mary in this story. And, and I thought, what could I do up here on stage to try to apply it? And I don't, I don't really think I can. I think you need to do this on your own. Um, can you find something today and enjoy it? Like not, it doesn't mean you have to do it the whole day. Take five minutes, take an hour. I don't, just take something and just enjoy a part of your day as a gift from God. I think that's what Mary was doing here. So how can we find beauty in this life? How can we trust God as provider, Jesus as Savior? Because really, this is a faith issue. If I think I have to provide for myself for everything, if I think I'm the Savior of the world, I'm not going to do this. But as my faith grows and my trust grows in, in the Father and the Son and the Spirit leading me, maybe this is when I find real life, meaningful life that Jesus freely gives us. No transactions, a free gift from our loving Father. Let's pray. Father, you are so good to us. I think we miss so much. I don't think we appreciate uh, all that you give us. Every day is a gift from you, and I, I pray that our hearts and our minds, our eyes, um, our, our ears would be open uh, to, to the gifts that you give us. I pray that you would help us to see things in a way um, that's about you, uh, as Mary did, and less about building our kingdoms up like Judas did. I pray that uh, for each person here, I thank you that they are here, and I think it's a, even a beautiful thing when your people come together and, and worship you. And so I pray that our focus is not on us, this building, how many people are here but you, a loving Father. so Thank you so much for your creation, and thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins uh, to give us the gift of new life. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.